Greetings and salutations, everyone. Welcome. My name is Andy Neal, and you're listening to The Hiker Podcast. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to episode four of The Hiker Podcast, the podcast where I, Andy, a new hiker, talk with people and individuals and persons inside the outdoor and hiking community, finding out how they were inspired to get on the trail, and then, in turn, find out how the trail has inspired them to make the world a better place. I want to find out about the person, about the people behind the trekking poles. I know there's all kinds of different YouTube videos where I can find out the best gear and that sort of thing, but I want to hear personal stories. I want to hear personal triumphs and tragedies about hiking and how hiking has affected people. So this is what this podcast is. I am super excited um, for this week, which we'll get into here in a minute, but I just wanted to talk for a second about my journey. Many of you guys probably don't know, I've never been backpacking before. I've never done an overnight backpacking or hiking trip before. I know it's crazy. I am starting, I am hosting a hiking podcast and I've hiked a ton, but I've never been able to pull the trigger on uh, doing an overnight. I've done tons of camping. I've even done camping where I hiked and then hiked back to my campsite, like, you know, a day campsite with my car there and family and then hiked again. But I've never done like an actual, like I'm going to start here and then hike to here and camp and then pack it all up in my bag and then hike here. And I've never done that. So as I'm talking with people in the outdoor and hiking community, I want to hear from you, the listeners, uh, what suggestions would you have for me as I'm getting ready to plan my first backpacking trip? Now there's a lot of variables that are going on with this right now. COVID-19 is being one of them, whether I'm going to go by myself or other people, also, another variable is, you know, we are in Southern Oregon in Northern California. What's the wildfire situation? Um, likely what I'm going to be doing is hiking a section of the Pacific Crest Trail, probably a 20 mile section, just to kind of get my feet wet, as it were. And I want to hear your stories about what are some of the best practices you have ran into backpacking? What are some suggestions you have for me? Now, like I said, I could go on YouTube and find out the best gear and stuff, but also I don't, I don't have a whole lot of money. I don't have a whole lot of overnight gear. So, you know, there's the essential stuff I'm going to need. I'm going to need my, my cook kit, my sleeping system, you know, uh, my, my tent, all that stuff. And actually a new, a new backpack. My, my current pack, uh, it's a 25 liter pack. It's, it's not going to take everything I need for an overnight trip. So I want to hear from you and what you can do is you can do a couple things. If you're listening uh, on anchor, go or go to anchor.fm slash the hiker podcast, you can uh, leave a little voice message and leave me your suggestions. I would love to hear them. Also, you can email me, Andy, at thehikerpodcast.com or just follow me on any of the social media networks. No, just one. I would really just do Instagram and Facebook. But you can follow me personally, Andy Films and Hikes on Instagram or the Hiker Podcast at Hiker Podcast on Instagram. Any of those ways are great ways to get a hold of me because I just I want to know what what's... What are some best practices? What are some suggestions you would have for me? Maybe not just gear wise or, or like practical wise, but like maybe mentally to prepare for an overnight backpacking trip. Um, as I have fallen in love with hiking, you know, I, I, I'm not afraid about, about distance. I've done 12, 15 miles in a day. That's not a big deal. Um, but what suggestions would you have for me for doing an overnight two, three nighter? And uh, if you're in Southern Oregon, Northern California, maybe you have a suggestion as to where I should do it. Let me know all the various social media networks you can hit me up on. 
uh, email or go to anchor.fm slash hacker podcast and uh, yeah, leave a little voice message there. I'll put a link to that in all the doobly do stuff. So anyways, I am super excited though, because we have amazing guests this week, but I do want to shout out another Apple podcast review. Um, you can listen to the hiker podcast on a plethora, a plethora of podcast providers. I think there's like 11 now. Yeah, go, there's a ton, but Apple podcasts is still the king of podcasts. They invented podcasting, so it makes sense. So for a way to help the hiker podcast, a great way to help the hiker podcast would be to leave an Apple podcast review and leave a written one. A ton of you have left five stars and I really appreciate that because it does help. But if you leave a written one that helps me even more because I can see, oh, this is what they're liking. This is what I need to keep doing, so on and so forth. But it also helps with like search engine optimization for Apple podcasts when there's more written reviews uh, about the podcast. It helps because when people search in hiker podcasts or hike podcasts or hiking podcasts, the ones with more reviews, more written reviews float up to the top. So just uh, search the hiker podcast and Apple podcasts on your iOS device. Or uh, if you have Apple podcast app on your desktop or laptop, that would be absolutely amazing. But this week we do have, we had several just star reviews, which I do appreciate. We had a new written review. It was from, uh, the username was Bat Feathers, very unique name there. It says, I turned in to listen to Elena Osborne's interview, and I love the format and types of questions the host asked. Not gimmicky or overproduced, just good quality chat about hiker stuff. Never got boring or rambly. I'll definitely be listening regularly now. And the uh, title of the review was, Will Be My New Favorite. Bat Feathers. Thank you so much for that lovely review. And don't forget, everybody, you can leave your review here. Um, I would greatly appreciate it. It would mean the world. And really quick, just in case, I, I think I put the wrong address out there. Um, if you want to leave a voice message, go to anchor.fm slash hiker podcast. And there's a little message thing there. Just click on message and you can leave a voice message. And I will gladly play that on the hiker podcast. Uh, so, yeah. That would be absolutely epic and amazing. With that, though, I want to talk about this week's guest on the Hiker Podcast, Michael Einstein Gelfield. Um, Einstein reached out to me when I first wanted to start the Hiker Podcast, and he just reached out and said, hey, would love to chat, would love to talk, would love to hear about what you're doing. And I got to uh, chat quite a few times with Einstein. And Einstein is a semi-nomadic, somewhat full-time distance hiker. He's hiked over 8,000 miles on various trails, including the PCT and AT since 2016. And he's also completed two cross-country bicycle tours. He's originally from Maryland, but you can now find him in the hiker's paradise of Flagstaff, Arizona. We had a great conversation about his journey, um, about who he is, the person, as I like to say, behind the trekking poles. But also one thing we really talked about and really got into is being comfortable with being uncomfortable. It was a great conversation. So with that, guys, I would like to introduce to you uh, distance hiker Einstein after a quick message from our sponsor and podcast host, Anchor.fm.
Greetings there, hikers. It's Andy here, and we have a very special guest with us today. We have the cyclist and through hiker, a guy who decided that he just wanted to hike and not maybe live the social, socially normal life as we you know, we think of it in, in, in the West. Uh, we have Einstein on here. That is your trail name. Einstein, how are you doing today? Uh, doing good, Andy. Thanks for having me. Uh, pretty excited to be here. Awesome. So... Um, you are a cyclist, you're a through hiker, and just from reading your blog, unpub- it's unpublished, uh, unpublished, what was unpublished it called? Unpublished Einstein thought, Einstein thoughts. Yeah, it's too long of an address uh, name, but it's too <laughs> expensive to change. So it's staying. Oh yeah. I, yeah. Way too expensive. I know URLs are not cheap. Try getting the hiker podcast. My goodness. Yeah. I got it though. Um, but reading, just reading through your blog here, you know, you're someone who was kind of just doing the, what they're supposed to do, going to college, doing that thing. And then you, you fell in love with hiking. So before we get all into that, just introduce yourself, who you are, what you do and, um, why you love hiking. Uh, yeah, my name's, my trail name's Einstein. My real name is Michael. If you care to know that, uh, I, um, I guess I would consider myself, I mean, I identify as a full-time long distance hiker. Uh, it's kind of a redundant term because for most of us, it's pretty impossible to be full-time with long distance hiking. But, you know, for uh, my entire adult life, I've just kind of dedicated myself to making long distance hiking and some cycling and some other adventures, like making them possible and being able to do them no matter what. Awesome. So let's get, let's, let's start early here. You are, you know, in high school, college, and you decide you want to hike the Appalachian trail. What was it about the AT that you said, this is a lifelong dream of mine. I want to hike this trail. Yeah. I don't know if I have as a, you know, magical uh, trail discovery story as some other people I know growing up um, in Maryland on the East coast, if you were getting involved in outdoor things, hiking, riding, you know, anything like that. Um, the Appalachian mountains were where you went to because that was just kind of the only place to kind of get out of the cities or the suburbs and get out there and explore, uh, the great outdoors. So, and, you know, growing up going in the Appalachian mountains means you learn about the Appalachian trail. And, um, I just remember being pretty young and learning about, the fact that people would hike this trail that was 2000 miles long and would take them a whole summer to do. And, you know, just kind of deciding that I wanted to do it, but it was never, I never really had intentions to do anything other than that. It it was kind of just this fun thing that I wanted to go out and try sometime. Awesome. So you go and you do it. And what about the Appalachian Trail kind of just change your thinking about what you wanted to do with your life? Um, it, it was nothing specific about the trail, mostly just the experience of it. I actually was interviewing someone recently, another through hiker, and he remarked that the first one ruins you in regards to through hikes, which, you know, certainly you'll find to be my experience when I finish answering this question. Yeah. Um, it was the first thing that I ever did that the only reason I was doing it was because I felt like doing it. There were no exterior motives to that goal. I wasn't trying to 
build up a resume or impress someone or do something that would enable me to do something else later on. Um, it was nothing like that. I did it because I just felt like doing it. And there was something very empowering in that that I had not experienced before. Something empowering about taking full control of my own life and my own time, um, not worrying about anybody else's expectations of myself. Uh, and, you know, that that level of empowerment, especially at the age I was 21, you know, very ripe for being shaped into the person I was going to become, it, it was pretty intoxicating. So is there a specific, like, moment or just instance on the trail where you were just like, this is what I want to do. Like, this is... I, I can't see myself doing anything else of being in the outdoors. Uh, actually, no. You know, I went and I did the hike and, it, you know, it was a couple months and I finished it. And I think like a lot of kind of important realizations we may go through in life, it didn't just happen. It was something that over the few months after I finished the trail and was able to start processing it and reflecting on it in an off-trail uh, setting that I was just able to put into better perspective how changing the experience actually was for me. You know, the whole time that I was on trail, and this is true of the, all, everything I'm saying is true of every through hike I still go on. The whole time I was on trail, um, I was just having fun. I was having a blast and enjoying myself. I wasn't really thinking about my future hiking or non hiking. You know, I was just present and in the moment. And I guess the irony of that, if you will, is that I got off, I did start thinking about my future and the rest of my life. And I remembered that presence that I experienced out there and the empowerment, like I mentioned earlier, and, you know, how it had changed me, but eventually I did. So you, you hiked the Appalachian Trail. It's a fun time. You're enjoying it. You get off the trail. And I've I've read and, and heard from so many through hikers about post-trail depression. Is that how was that for you? Did you experience that? And how would you describe that? Yeah, I did experience post-trail depression. Um and I still do, and I'll get to that in a second. Um what happens when you're on a through hike, I mean, just what it actually is is Every single thing you do for, you know, three months, four months, five months, however long it takes, a long, a long period of time, everything you do is contributing towards one goal. And that's a really cool feeling because it's hard to get it anywhere other than on trail where if I'm stopping to eat a snack, you know, the miles I'm walking, the grocery store trips I'm doing, just like everything I do all day long is contributing towards this one goal, which is finishing the trail. And, you know, you work towards little goals, but all the little goals eventually build up to this one goal. And when you achieve that goal, it's just a really emotionally overwhelming high to, um, to get something that you've dedicated every second of your life towards for the last couple of months. Um, you know, it's, it's, it is really impossible to describe and so you just like become overwhelmed with positive emotions. And what happens is obviously when you finish and get off trail and you go 
to do whatever you're, you're doing next. Maybe you're going back to what you were doing before, or maybe you're doing something new now. Either way, what you find when those emotions wear off is that your life has lost all of the purpose that it had. Mm. Um, it, you know, it was dedicated to this one thing and kind of subconsciously that just becomes the purpose and what you live for. And then all of a sudden that's gone and it's a really empty feeling and trying to find purpose in other things, which, you know, I would say most people who are living a content or happy life, if you will, have some sort of purpose every day. And trying to find that again can just feel impossible. And that's that's where that's how I think of post-trail depression. That feeling of impossibility of like, not even like, what am I going to do now? But like, why should I care about doing anything now? So not having that singular purpose where everything's working towards one goal just kind of makes you if i'm if i'm hearing you right makes you feel like this oh there there's just a kind of empty spot inside you yeah an empty spot just uh i loved working towards that goal i was having so much fun doing it it was so rewarding it challenged me um you know all the good things that you get while you're on a through hike and just not having access to those anymore and very abruptly so, incredibly abrupt so you're you're done and according to your bio, you were going to begin coursework in a PhD in climate dynamics. Yeah, I actually did. That's a funny story. Um, I I had applied to graduate schools before I got on the AT that year. Um, you know, kind of intending to like go to graduate school when I finished. And so <laughs> the funny story is I got into graduate school on the AT. I remember being in Woodchuck's Hostel in Damascus, Virginia, and I was on the phone with the guy who would become my advisor. And he was like, so do you want to do it? And I was like, yeah, sure. Sounds good. So I, you know, like was admitted to grad school and decided to go. And then I finished the trail and I kind of forgot about it. So... Um, <laughs> You know, I finished the AT and I was like, oh, okay, I guess I go to grad school now. Um, and I finished the trail early summer. And so classes didn't start till late summer. So I had a few months. And over those few months, I never really got excited about it, but I was still like, I'm going to go now. But I remember probably in the last week leading up to when classes began, um, I kind of was was really starting to process the hike, like I mentioned in my earlier answer. Um, and I was just like starting to get really bad feelings about grad school. But, you know, this was my plan. This was like what I was supposed to do with my life. You know, I had graduated college less than a year ago, and this was what I was going to do next, which my whole life, there had been a ton of pressure on me to always know, like, what are you going to do next? And so I went. Um, and I ended up doing coursework in grad school for a year. I can say now, probably within the first week, probably the third class I ever went to, I was already daydreaming about uh, bicycling across the country, which was a goal I'd kind of developed in the months since finishing the AT. And, you know, I just kind of knew I didn't want to be here and I didn't want to be doing this. But I stuck it out for a whole year because, you know, I it was really a year of breaking free from everything I had ever been told to plan for myself, plan for myself, actively like made the efforts to do. Um, 
And, you know, that takes a lot of emotional energy. But yeah, after, mm -hmm. after a year of coursework, I decided to drop out of that program. And yeah, that was that. So that happens and then you drop out and on, on your, on your blog, you have this odometer. And if I'm reading this right, you decided to bike across the country. Is that right? Yep. Uh, I, I dropped out of grad school. I bought a touring bike and you know, all the things you need to go on a bike tour. A lot of the backpacking gear translates over, but certainly not all of it does. And then I got on my bike and I started riding west and i rode on a route called the trans america trail for about half the country all the way from yorktown virginia to pueblo colorado i wanted to ride that route the whole way across the country but i kind of started too late in the summer so by the time i was in colorado it was mid-september and i didn't really want to risk riding north so i just cut straight across utah and nevada um and I got to the West Coast in San Francisco, Petaluma, actually. And then I rode mm. down to Los Angeles. So, oh, yeah. Wow. So describe the feeling of, or, or the difference between you're on a, a dirt trail and then you're on the pavement riding cross country. What, what is there a difference or is it much of the same experience for you? It's, it's definitely different in a really cool way. Um, going into it, I, I didn't expect it to be the exact same, but I also didn't know what to expect. And, um, you know, obviously I see a, a ton of pros to both long distance cycling and long distance hiking. Um, I think the main difference on the bike, honestly, is comfort. It's just possible to be a little bit more comfortable and compared to a through hike, which to be perfectly honest, feels like work a lot of the time. I mean, a lot of the, mm -hmm. I always say 80% of the time you're backpacking, you're not really having fun. Um, the cycling can just be a little bit more comfortable. You can sleep inside most nights. You can eat the food you want to eat. Uh, it can be more social in that you're interacting with just like people like other than cyclists and hikers. A lot of the times you're meeting a lot of people and, um, and the other difference is you cover a lot more distance in a lot less time. You can see more on a bike trip. So, you know, like there's certainly pros and cons to both, but it was really fun for me. And it's still fun for me to experience the little subtle differences between the two. So you do that and you, you, you accomplish the through hike and biking across the country um, in the, in the middle of that biking, you hike the JMT. Is that right? Uh, no, not exactly. Um, I biked straight across the country. Uh, and when I left for that trip, I already knew I wanted to hike the PCT the next year. Um, that was like my big goal when I dropped out of grad school, I was like, I want to hike the PCT. Like I want to go get my triple crown. Um, and, uh, so I biked across the country. I chilled in Los Angeles for a couple months. That was a really positive experience for me because, you know, I needed to like work. I needed to make money like we all do. Mm -hmm. um, and that was kind of my first time post-grad school where I like really had to make things work for myself. And I wasn't playing and I was working, which is a requirement for the life I live. And um, those few months in LA were really positive because, uh, I learned a lot about how to like actually live your life in a 
not in school, not on trail kind of situation. Um, <laughs> lessons, which to this day, I'm like so thankful I learned. So yeah, you know, I lived in LA for a few months and then I hiked the PCT the next year. And during that hike, I went and got the JMT as well. Cause it's pretty easy to do the JMT in addition to a PCT through hike. Mm-hmm. So talk over a minute. You, you, you were on the East coast. You biked across, you did the AT biked across the country. You're in Los Angeles. And one thing I'm, I'm always struggling with is this dichotomy myself being as a person who grew up in Los Angeles and later Las Vegas. And I now live in a rural area. I love the big city, but I love the outdoors. What is it about both someplace like Los Angeles and then someplace like the middle of nowhere, Oregon that are both appealing to you in different ways? You know, human beings are really complex social creatures and um, we can achieve really different mental states when we're being like stimulated differently as far as the types of human interactions we're going through are. And um, something like, you know, being out in the middle of nowhere in Oregon can be really positive because you're, you are allowing your brain to have a level of silence and just kind of allowing it to do what it wants to do a little bit more than usual. Um, But on the contrary, you know, being in a city like Los Angeles, you are stimulating your brain in really like energizing and uh, just exciting ways. And you can learn a lot from that too. So I always feel like I have a lot to learn from every situation I'm in. And, you know, if I have to like, you know, make my money, pay my dues, um, it can be fun for me to do it in a place like Los Angeles and um, see what I can't learn about being in that environment. Because there's just as much to learn about that as there is to learn about, you know, how to hike in the desert or something. Absolutely. So while you were in LA, was there ever just a time where you're like, I need to get out of town. I need to go up to Big Bear. I need to get away and unplug for a day or two. Was there ever those moments where you're just like, I got to get out of town, yeah, I'll, be in the forest for a little, bit, a little bit of time and then come back in? Uh, I had those moments all the time, but I, I don't think I went on one, certainly never like an overnight hike or anything like that. Um, probably went on like a few day hikes, but like, you know, to places like Runyon Canyon or something, nothing legitimate. Yeah. And, um, that's kind of, uh, that's kind of a product of, um, certainly an attitude I was adopting back then and probably still adopt to some extent of when I'm not on trail. So when I'm in work, meaning I'm trying to make play possible, um, I can be, probably overly strict with myself about not really having any play. And I mean, I, you know, I was working 60 hour weeks there. Like I didn't have the time or the energy to be going out and getting out of town, which certainly was difficult. You know, I don't know if that was the best way to live my life back then. Um, But it is what I did in LA and it was a hard, you know, it got hard sometimes, but I always say, and Scott Williamson has a quote that agrees with this. Um, it's it's worth it on mile one, man. I mean, if you just had eight months of beating yourself to hell to make what you want to do possible, it mile one, it feels worth it. And you forget about those eight months really fast. Absolutely, absolutely. 
So since that time, you've hiked the JMT, the PCT, the ACT, uh, Tahoe Rim Trail. You've been on the AT again. Um, you 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 go on these long, you know, through hikes. You are a, by definition, a through hiker. What is it that keeps you going back to new trails time and time again? That's a really good question. Um, just trying to, I mean, it's what I love. It's what, when I'm out there hiking and I'm in cadence and the trekking poles are moving well, and I'm making the climb and, you know, I'm breathing properly and I can just like feel myself <laughs> kind of crushing it. Um, I, I've just never had a moment like that where I've been more sure of like, this is what I was made to do. And that's a really intoxicating feeling. And in addition to that, you know, it's just always trying to tap into the sense of wonder and mystery and just like wide eyedness that I had on my very first through hike. In a lot of ways, it will always be impossible to recapture that. You know, there's no hike like there's no through hike like the first one you go on, but at least trying to go towards that place and maintain this sense of awe and discovery with the world because it's really fulfilling. It feels really good to look at the world in that way. So pivoting a little bit here to more practical things, um, someone who they've realized through day, like myself through day hiking that they've fallen in love with hiking and they've begun backpacking and, you know, they're looking at maybe, you know, putting in the work now so they can play later and, and, and go on the trail. Outside of the practical stuff, like, you know, weight of your pack and, you know, make sure you have this or that. What is something somebody can do? And everybody's different, but just one thing that may, might be universal from all the time you've been on all the different through hikes and all the different trails. What is one thing every person should do to mentally prepare for getting on their first through hike? Mm, that's a good question. Um, that's a good question because nobody's really asking that question. And I think a really practical, actual practice that if you wanted to prepare for your first through hike, somebody could do would be every single day in your life, if you're working, if you're at school, whatever you're doing in your life right now, try to identify a situation where you feel uncomfortable and try to understand that discomfort and try to feel okay with it. Learning how to sit in discomfort and not be scared of it and not be angry about it is it's a lesson I did not learn until I started through hiking and probably would have saved me a lot of emotional turmoil on those through hikes if I learned how to do it before. And like, you're not, you know, being comfortable with being just uncomfortable is nothing. Anybody, not even the most, you know, hikers with 50,000 miles under their legs, are truly going to master, but it's definitely something that you can work on. And it's definitely something that if you work on it, you will find, you will see the benefits right away on a through hike. And that's, that's really good because the very definition of a through hike is you're going to go through times of being uncomfortable. You can plan a backpacking trip and you can plan for good weather the best you can and, you know, hike for a week, even it's good weather. But if you're on the PCT, you're going four or five months, you're going to run into some bad weather. You're going to run into some sketchy situations and that, that, that's amazing. That's amazing advice. Now, how has that translated 
into your day-to-day working life, learning to be uncomfortable on the trail, how does that translate to off the trail? Um, it's, it's been really good for me because, you know, the discomforts that I experience off trail can be a lot more tricky for me to deal with. You know, there are a lot more internal, you know, you just mentioned a lot of external discomforts, which is certainly what I was kind of alluding to with my last answer. Um, but the internal discomforts that I experience can be a lot harder to sit with. And like, there's usually a way less straightforward way to deal with them. So, you know, like feeling isolated, um, having doubts about yourself, um, getting down on yourself in general, feeling like you aren't, like you can't connect with other people. Um, things that I experience and that I probably need to remind myself a lot of other people experience too. Um, it's been good for me just to try to treat those discomforts the same way I would treat one on trail. And all of a sudden they feel a little less daunting. That's awesome. So you're in Arizona now. Um, what are you doing now? Um, that's a good question. And I ask myself that all the time, you know, I came back from my most recent through hike, which was international in March. Uh, and I kind of got back just in time before the, uh, COVID-19 pandemic kind of broke out around the world and certainly in the United States. And I came home in March, um, with the time, money and plans to hike all summer long. And I had a bunch of hikes lined up that I was going to do this summer that I was very excited for. Um, but like pretty much everybody else, I kind of just had to come to terms with the fact that those weren't going to happen. Um, so I like found myself sitting in Maryland where I'm from wondering like, you know, what the hell do I do with my time? Like this was a really weird experience for me because I've always kind of had like through hiking as a fallback, if things don't work out, you know, I've always had this attitude of like, well, you know, if I keep a little bit of money in my savings account all the time, no matter what, I can just go get on trail. If, um, you know, things go haywire and something doesn't work out. And this was the first time where things weren't working out, but it was the hike itself. And I didn't have it as this fallback. I couldn't just go get on trail. Mm -hmm. Um, so I ended up working on a farm in Virginia a friend of mine had a farm out there and I was just working there on the farm doing work for stay. It was awesome. Um, still kind of like holding out hope to get on trail this summer, but, um, you know, by the middle of May, um, it was clear that wasn't going to happen. And by then, uh, a buddy of mine, another through hiker whose plans also weren't working out for the summer. Um, yeah, he's been living out in Flagstaff for a little bit and he's um he's like kind of started this media company, uh Outdoor Evolution and you know, he asked me to come out and help him and work with him and I just I couldn't really think of a good reason not to. I love Flagstaff. I discovered it on the AZT last year and it's it was one of those towns that kind of clicked with me right away and I kind of had it on my short mm -hmm. list of like, hey, maybe I could live there one day and just um, you know, he, my buddy gave me a good reason to come out here. And so I think like it was a Sunday. 
I kind of made the decision I wanted to go for it. And within four days, I had rented a room out here, packed all my stuff up, got in the car and drove out. It was pretty impulsive. Nice. So you're in Flagstaff now. What is life looking like day to day in Flagstaff? Um, it's It's been tough, to be honest. Uh, moving in the middle of a pandemic is pretty hard. Um, not only for like the practical reasons of like certain services that are limited and, you know, sometimes you want to get something done and you can't, um, uh, the, the social part of it is tough. You know, I, I have gotten better over the past few years of just kind of like ripping the social discomfort bandaid off. And when I move somewhere, which move places all the time, just kind of like diving right in and meeting a bunch of people, but I can't really do that right now. You know, it's not like, like a perfect example is pretty much every time I move somewhere, I will start playing pickup basketball right away because it's a great way to just mm-hmm. make friends and it's, you know, fun and keeps you in shape and can't do that. Um, so there's just all these little things that normally I would rely on for like making friends that I can't do. Um, that being said, this area is awesome. I mean, it's so ideal for somebody who likes spending time outdoors. Um, there's a there's more biking trails than I think a lifelong resident would ever be able to ride. Um, there's great road riding around here too, which I appreciate. I just got a new bike that's kind of like going to allow me to do a little bit of both, which I'm excited about. Um, obviously, there's great hiking in Flagstaff. I mean, the Arizona Trail walks right through. Um, yeah. The San Francisco Peaks are right there, just to the north of town. You can go Summit Humphreys, the highest peak in Arizona. Um, in fact, I went and summited it with uh, my buddy Kodak a few weeks ago, and you know we still made it into town for work by like eleven a.m. You know it's pretty it's pretty convenient if for people who want to get outside. So, you know I'm trying to be patient with the whole. I mean, just the whole virus thing in general, which I hope everybody is. Like, I it's so frustrating, it's so scary and confusing, but it's the kind of thing where certainly I feel like I just need to relax and let whatever happens happens and, you know, just focus on what I can control. Um, and that's been pretty good for me in Flagstaff so far. That's great advice. Just be able to focus on what you can control. And none of us have been able to control this. I know for so many people, this has been a, an outlet for them to discover the outdoors. While for others who have already discovered the outdoors and been plugged into that, they are pushing themselves farther and maybe their PCT through hike got canceled or, well, whatever or whatnot, they can't travel like they wanted to. So it's just, that's just really great advice. Control what you can control. And uh, it's a great opportunity to learn something different, something new. With that, though, my last question for you, Einstein, is whether it's a day hike up in a, um, going up the uh, San Francisco peaks there outside of Flagstaff, which I love Flagstaff. My dad was born there. I was actually born in Phoenix, so I spent oh, a lot of time awesome. in Flagstaff. Nice. It's yeah. so cool here. Yeah, I love Flagstaff. I, 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 where I live here in Ashland, I always, I always compare Flagstaff to like the little part of Arizona that's kind of like Oregon. It just feels very. I, I use the term granola, but that no, just it feels I like. Agree with like here. I I mean, Ashland and Flagstaff have pretty similar vibes. Oh yeah, there, it, you know, oh, yeah. Asheville, North Carolina is another town that comes to mind. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, no, that's very astute of you to observe. Yeah, and I, I absolutely love it. It's a beautiful place. I love going through there. It's like you're in the desert, you know, you're going through Kingman, and all of a sudden you just keep going like, oh, wow, I'm in forests and mountains, and there's San Francisco Peaks, and oh, just love it yeah. there. But 
with no matter whether it's a, a bike ride or a through hike or a day hike or you're summiting something what is one thing that you look forward to every time you you get in the outdoors you get on the trail or you get on the pavement it's like i get i'm getting out here and i'm looking forward to this um it's uh it's something i kind of like talked about a little earlier um it's just giving my brain a chance to like be, be a little quieter and kind of just go where it wants to go. You know, even if you're out for a hike with a friend or arrive with a friend and you're talking most of the time, I feel like when you get out there, just the environment you're in is so conducive to um, really just like letting your brain be a little bit calmer than usual. Um, which allows it to maybe process things in a little bit clearer ways. And I feel like every time I get out there, even if it's just for a day, if it's for a few months, you know, no matter what I'm doing, I think pretty much every time I come back with a little bit better perspective on maybe something that had been stressing me out or something I was uncertain about before. Very nice. Well, Einstein, thank you so much for coming on the hiker podcast. Uh, what's, anything else you want our listeners to know where they can reach you where they can read your stuff yeah so you can read my stuff at my way too long url which is unpublished einsteinthoughts.com probably the easier way to get to it would be just click the link on my instagram page which is youth.retired um yeah that's it you know i i'm like i'm trying to put out like as much writing as i can um I'll probably write something tonight, actually. Um, I've, you know, you've, this conversation definitely got me in the mood to do it, you know. Um, I love to write. It's really therapeutic for me. It's fun for me. I like trying to be funny. I like sharing things with people. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. So, y'all, we're going to make sure we put his link in the bio of this podcast. And Einstein, thank you so much for coming yeah, on. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. This was fun. This was a good conversation. Thank you so much for listening to that amazing interview and conversation I had with Einstein. Thank you, Einstein, for coming on the show and being just such an awesome person, taking the time to talk with me and be a sounding board for me because I know podcasting, but I'm just learning this hiking thing. And I got a long way to go uh, on my journey, both mentally and physically and gear wise and all kinds of stuff. And Einstein has just been a great sounding board and he's been so just gracious and amazing to me. So I appreciate him more than he knows right now. Uh, just the fact that he reached out to me was was awesome. So thank you so much, Einstein, for that great conversation. Uh, everyone, make sure you follow Einstein on all the various social media networks, like he said. Um, of course, there is his blog, unpublishedeinsteinthoughts.com. That will be in the link because that's a lot to remember. But unpublished Einstein thoughts, just remember, unpublished Einstein thoughts. Uh, he does some amazing writing. I'd encourage you to go check it, check it out, check out his story, check out his website. Uh, with that, don't forget to follow the Hiker Podcast on all the various social media networks. Go to hikerpodcast.com. You can get on our emailing list. You can email me. Don't forget, if you want to uh, leave me suggestions about backpacking, uh, go to anchor.fm slash 
Hiker Podcast, or just go to hikerpodcast.com, click on the anchor link near the bottom, and there, click on the little message thing. You can leave me a little voice message, and I'd be glad to share that here on the Hiker Podcast in the following weeks. Speaking of following weeks, I do want to tease who we will be having on next week. Many of you know her. Uh, had a great, amazing conversation with the YouTuber and Triple Crown hiker, Jessica Dixie Mills. That's right. Dixie will be on next week's show. Make sure you tune in. Tell your friends. Uh, it was a great conversation. She was so gracious to me. Um, one quick little story about having her on. We have I I, I, I I podcast professionally. This is what I do uh, to make ends meet. And there was a technical difficulty, which was so embarrassing because this is what I do. So it's like, oh, gosh, like it seems so amateurish and unprofessional. And she was just so gracious. And I kept saying, sorry, this, I don't know what's going on. There was an issue with the Internet and things weren't recording right. It was super, super just frustrating, but she was so gracious and amazing and sat there for 20 minutes. And I'm like, you know, if you want to do this next week, I get it. You, you know, if you have something else you need to do, I get it. And no, she's like, no, 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 let's get this figured out. Let's do it. Let's do it. And it was, it was just amazing of her to do that. And not only that, she still stuck around for an hour interview. So just thank you for that ahead of time. Make sure you tune in next week. Again, thank you, Einstein, for the amazing conversation. Um, make sure you follow us on all the various social media networks. Go to hikerpodcast.com for that. With that, guys, um, we'll see you next week, and we'll see you on the trail.